Well, very good morning to you. Uh, it is Sunday the 4th of October and welcome to St John's virtual uh, service. I hope you're all well and can I just say thank you for all your well wishes uh, for my birthday and for the team for covering for me uh, taking last Sunday off. It's really kind of you. Um, just a couple of little bits of housekeeping. Uh, it's prayer meeting tonight. You can join us on Zoom. The codes are in the daily update but be aware that there's now an entry code now, Zoom have changed their um, their policies on a couple of things and also just to say I know there's a lot of questions about it uh, PCC had a very good discussion on Thursday about starting to reopen the centre for uh, limited use for groups that are unable to meet in gardens or uncomfortable uh, meeting in people's homes so we hope to have something on that uh, pretty quickly. Uh, for now uh, I'm just going to continue in our series through Acts uh, and I want to ask the question, I suppose, today, what makes us? What makes the church different? What is it that makes the church uh, different and uh, it helps us stand out? So I'm going to begin this service by just thinking uh, through some verses and we can join um, in these lovely words from Psalm 40, verse 4. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you planned for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending the Lord Jesus to save us, for your love and kindness for us, for your spirit living in us and shaping us and leading us. Thank you for being with us. And we ask that wherever we are and however we are today, you would make yourself known to us. We would know that you have been with us. Amen. Uh, well, our reading uh, this morning is from Acts chapter 4, uh, beginning at verse 32. And it's uh, a really good indication, if you like, of what the early church was like. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, you may want to follow that story, but initially I just want to talk about something I watched on TV. Um, I don't often talk about what I watch on TV, not because it's awful, but because not many of you are following Cleveland Browns this season, I suspect. However, I did watch Grayson Perry's big American road trip on TV this week. In the programme, he met some people who we might call liberal elites. That's a politically charged term, so I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, and in many ways, he experienced kind of an, a, a utopian part of New York, the, the American dream writ large. 
There was this was a community that lived with low crime, green space, and they were successful people, all living alongside one another peaceably. They shared the ownership and running of a local food cooperative, uh, which brought interesting food from the diverse cultures that they all represented. And even though they were ethnically quite diverse, in many ways they shared the same outlook in politics, philosophy, identity politics and ideology. They were well-educated people from the same sorts of schools and they had the same concerns about the climate, refugees, identity, education, equality, American politics and everything else. And I started to think, because it was quite enjoyable, I started to think, how is this group of people different from church? How is it distinct? I mean, here were a bunch of really nice seeming people, kind people, principled people, um, you know, people with integrity who were trying to create a community in which they could get along together well. And in many, many ways, I think we would probably agree with them on a lot of things. But what would be the difference? In fact, what is the difference? What is it that makes churches different from other groups or ideas that are trying to live out a life like this? In the reading this morning, I think we get a lovely, clear snapshot of um, the church, the early church. And the difference that we see between all other efforts, I suppose, to live well, uh, to do things together well, is God's grace and the church's experience of God's grace. You see, in this documentary, the presenter found that the food cooperative had 17,000 members. I don't think there's a church that big, an individual one that big. But then somebody said, yeah, but that's far too big. That's too many people. And they had a limit, it seems, on how much of this good thing there was to go around or at least how much of it uh, how much of it there was to go around before they started losing out and we can be like that sometimes can't we we can say this is good so long as i get as much of it as i need but there are no limits to god's grace it overflows from his immeasurable riches and is poured out lavishly upon his children so that we would always be able to know his love and presence and his power that has saved us and cleansed us and leads us. And then as I watched a little further on, um, this group only appeared to meet up with people who were already exactly like themselves. They weren't actually that interested in other people or how other cultures lived or thought. Anything different appeared to be too challenging. They knew what they liked and they liked what they knew. Well, that again is not something that the church experiences. The church experiences God's grace. God's grace, his love in action towards us, came to us even though we are thoroughly unlike him. God is holy. We are, we are sinners. We're terrible. Uh, uh, God is faithful and we are so often faithless. We, we forget all the time what God is like and how he asks us to live. He is good and we are wicked. Sometimes even knowing what we should do, we don't do it. So we're nothing like him. But through God's grace, we can be made holy and clean 
and he can help us stay faithful and he conforms us. That's the brilliant thing is he, he draws us to be the image of like the image of his son, Jesus Christ. You see, God knew that we were nothing like him, wanted us to shape us to become like his son. And when a church is able to focus on God's grace, a couple of things can happen. The first is this overwhelming love for the Lord God. In spite of the ruling council's command, the apostles kept testifying to what God's grace on the cross of Christ had done. They loved God more than they feared man and they were determined to share it. They were able to talk about what it meant to be forgiven, what it meant to know that life carries on, that life eternal, life in all its fullness, uh, was something that they had experienced. And when we share uh, this story, when we share these truths and what they mean to us, we glorify him. We show our love for him. We can all do it. And you know what? People really need to hear it. Because it's a message of God's love for us all. God demonstrated his love for us, Paul writes, for while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's one of the things that unites the church. The second thing that can start to happen is this grace, this love, knowing that you are loved, starts to pour out. Not because it's expected or, or, or demanded, but because it flows naturally. This grace pours into us and it should sit, overflow out of us. So we see evidence in this story that this community uh, loved their neighbours as one another, as themselves. The cross is the invitation to join in Jesus's redeeming work, restoring people into relationship with him so that they would know God and know his kindnesses to them. It's, it's the work that Jesus set his disciples to do. If he said, you know, love one another as I have loved you, it's what we should be doing. So if we think uh, perhaps the gospel is just for people like us, um, then we've forgotten how undeserving we are of God's grace. We may have forgotten that the Bible says that God gave his son, Jesus Christ, so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life these are enormously important truths and things that we should hold on to and be able to share most of us if we think about it work and spend our time with people like ourselves if we belong to a sports club we will have similar or any other club we've often got similar interests and they reflect probably fairly similar outlooks, backgrounds, educations and aspirations. But the early church mixed with all sorts of people. To begin with, it just witnessed to Jews from different countries. But soon, in the book of Acts, we're told that it witnessed to Gentiles who really didn't have a clue about God. They might have, might have heard about Jesus, but they didn't know what it meant. And they didn't really know about his kindnesses or his intervention in the world. They had no idea about the need for salvation and people who may never even have heard of Jesus Christ uh, were around them all the time. At some point in our lives, that was you and that was me. We need to hear the story of God's grace. 
And so the early church both proclaimed, they shared it by witnessing it, and they demonstrated it by showing how they lived amongst one another. And that's what made them distinct. I think it was when Rome was burning and, or, or when Rome was struggling with a plague and, and the Christians kind of hung around to look after not just each other, but others who were dying of the plague. Uh, I think it was Nero who quoted, you know, see how these Christians love one another. It was quite an important witness around us. It made the early church distinct and it can make us distinct. God's grace is the source of what we do and why we do it, how we do it. Part of loving God was glorifying him by sharing the good news of the resurrection with people. Another part was by loving one another and meeting their needs. We read that there was no needy person amongst them. And I'm tremendously excited by the different things that we've done during this situation to, to demonstrate uh, God's love for people, whoever they are, but sometimes particularly those in need. The experience of the early church was about God's grace and how it worked out. How might that look perhaps today, even right, right now, what's going on for us? Well, if we remember that on the cross, God changed a desperate looking situation that, that really looked like defeat and failure into something that would bring us joy, which is deeper and richer than happiness, and life, life eternal. We have to sometimes have that mindset to say, the situation I'm in can be changed because God can redeem and change situations. And we do it through Jesus Christ, who said, I'm always with you and I intercede with the Father for you. So if we feel, if we're feeling lonely or abandoned, we can remember that Jesus understands, he experienced those things. If we feel we're really up against it, there's an overwhelming weight of stuff against us. Jesus, he gets that, he understands. If we're ill and if we're suffering, well, Jesus understands those things. If we're struggling to be the kind of person that we, we know we can be, but somehow can't be right now, you know, Jesus actually, he gets that too. He understands that. If we've been let down, Jesus understands that too. And if we feel we have no choice at the moment, that we're just constrained, well, Jesus, he experienced that too. If we're worried about how this will end or when it will end, then absolutely Jesus bore that, that, that experience as well. And, you know, if we just wanted to stop and if we can't bear it at the moment, Jesus understands that too. Those are all things that we can say and take to Jesus and talk to him about because through God's grace he was able to change those sorts of things he endured those sorts of things so that we could know his love and grace that's a message everyone wants to hear that's a message that holds us together and as the people gathered around Jesus who knows and has overcome all these things we can stand and by standing, we offer hope to anyone who comes across us. And the hope is of God's grace, that he can come into our lives and, 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 and 
brush us off, brush the dirt off and help us stand up and, and walk with us and live with us and show us what a forgiven, redeemed life looks like. And that is grace. The early church experienced God's grace in fullness. May God's grace be upon us all now. Amen. It seemed appropriate as we come to a time of confession just to actually remind ourselves of God's grace uh, and let us hear our Lord's blessing on all those who follow him. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are those who suffer persecution for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We come to a time of confession, remembering that Jesus came to save us. Most merciful God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we confess that we have sinned in thought, word and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart, we have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us to amend what we are and direct what we shall be, that we may do justly, love mercy and walk humbly with you, our God. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon us. Pardon and deliver us from all our sins. Confirm and strengthen us in all goodness and keep us in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And I'm going to hand over to Leslie, who's going to lead us in our prayers. Let us pray. Lifting to our Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ who intercedes for us, the needs of the world, our country and each other. Please join with me in the response to Lord, hear us. Dear Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer, hear the prayers of your people this morning. Grant that we may both perceive and know what we ought to do and may have the grace and power to do it. Send opportunities to encourage each other as Christians at this tough time for many and to share our time and your provision where we can. Thank you for your protection, for the wonderful summer which has enabled many of us to be outside, seeing loved ones in safety and enjoying your creation. Please give us all courage and fortitude to face shorter, cooler days as we find different ways of gathering, worshipping, serving you and socialising. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. 
We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christian churches worldwide, especially in places where they meet together at risk of their very lives. Strengthen all leaders at this testing time when churches are facing huge challenges, both to open safely and to encourage people to attend. Thank you for all the work that the churches in this diocese are doing to meet this challenge. Bishop Martin and his team at Chichester Cathedral, the new bishops Ruth and Will, for Matt and all those who contribute so loyally here at St John's. Lord, hear us. Father, we pray for our government and its advisers, that those in authority would seek your wisdom and your mercy in making decisions which they believe to be right for our country, but which inevitably invite questioning and criticism. We pray for leadership when it comes to tackling climate change and attempting to reverse the destruction of our environment and natural habitats, giving thanks for all those actively involved. Remind us of the ways we can each play our part in stewarding your creation. We continue to pray for the trade negotiations between us and the EU for an outcome which is fair, just, protecting our sovereignty and sovereignty and standards whilst maintaining good relationships. Lord, hear us. Father, we lift to you the humanitarian problem of all those who flee their own country in the hope of, a, of safety and a better life, to which there seems no solution. In a world where there is so much anger, cruelty and turmoil, we know that only Jesus can bring lasting peace when he returns. Give us patience to bring peace to our own homes, our workplaces and wherever there is conflict, but where this is within our own power to do so. Lord, hear us. Dear Lord, we are so blessed with our royal family. Bring rest and quietness to Elizabeth, our Queen, and the Duke of Edinburgh. Energy and vision to the younger members who work hard and are actively involved in so many charities, as well as royal duties. We pray for the American people at this particular time, with the news that President Trump and the First Lady have contracted coronavirus and with the presidential election drawing closer. We pray for their recovery and for a sense of calm amid the unpleasantness of this campaign. Lord, hear us. Father, may your presence calm the storms in our lives. Lift those who are low in spirit, comfort the sorrowing, Remove negative thoughts. Give hope where there is despair. Father, at this time of concern about the economy, rising employment, university students in lockdown, and so much more, give us courage to know that you will see us through. We ask you to protect the vulnerable and weak, strengthen the doctors and NHS workers, and give them all they need to treat those who have been waiting a long time for treatment. We know that you are an ever-present help in times of trouble, and that you will deliver us from this virus, but that we all need to play our part in controlling it as best we can, leading by example. Lord, hear us. 
God of our pilgrimage, bring us with joy to the eternal city and give to our earthly cities the peace that comes from above. Let us bless the Lord. Amen. It's important, uh, it's important as we think about the week ahead, the challenges we face, the situations we're in, how we're feeling, to remember that God is with us and that he is shaping us all the time by the power of his spirit uh, to be his people, witnesses like the early church of his grace. So I keep using this prayer because it keeps me reminding me, keeps reminding me of God's goodness to me. Father, help me to live this day to the full, being true to you in every way. Jesus, help me to give myself away to others, being kind to everyone I meet. Spirit, help me to love the lost, proclaiming Christ in all I do and say. Amen. Grace and peace to you.